I'm Tim Peterson. I'm Mark Harley Wilson. These are our 78s. That was Brunswick uh, record 4783, Double Check Stomp by the Jungle Band. All right, so this came with you. I picked it out of your stack. Why did you like this record? Or why did you even pick it? Why did I pick it? We'll answer that too. Uh, I picked it because it was, I had about 20 records piled up on a table. And so I kind of rifled through them and pulled 10 of those 20 with just a quick feel. And I tried to go for different eras and different looks and different sounds and so on. But the Jungle Band is Ellington. Oh, really? That's, yeah. So I should be careful with this then, maybe. Please do. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the Jungle Band was the earliest Ellington circa, I don't know, 27 to 29-ish along in there. Yeah. Which I always loved. I love that early Ellington almost as much as like the very, very late Ellington. I, I really like the late 60s, early 70s. But needless to say, having uh, a little squeeze box on this, having a little accordion music uh, really hit the spot. The flip side's Accordion Joe which as I, r- I think has a vocal 
Yeah, it does say with vocal chorus on this. And that's a great old tune for sure. I'm grabbing you one of the uh, nice sleeves that I have. I'm going to give that to you. Ah, you're the best. My little gift to you for doing this with me. So why did you pull out the Jungle Band? You know, here's the thing. Whenever I'm looking at records and I'm, I don't know a lot, I don't really have that kind of brain to keep a lot of facts, figures, names, like you have knowledge of who played on the record and... Knowing the personnel. Yeah. Yeah, personnel. Okay, yeah. good. I just gravitate to the name of the song and the name of the artist. And if it looks really interesting to me, I'll just grab it. And usually those names that are um, more African centric, mm -hmm. uh, I think are, are going to be interesting. I'm not always right about that. And in fact, some of the uh, 78s that I bought early on when I first started collecting, like anything that said blues in the name of the song, I thought, oh, it's a blues record. This will be amazing. <laughs> and of course I ended up with like, like 30s, 40s swing band kind of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, some of it was even from acoustic era, but it wasn't uh, what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. But I've, it's really, I think in that discovery, it's really opened my eyes a lot to really what bands were doing back then, who was playing on, uh, who the personnel was that was playing on those bands. But the truth is that the blues music was actually, from what I can tell, uh, was very popular among white audiences. Even back to the 20s, too? Am I, oh, on, sure. am I on something yeah. there? Yeah, I would just say that that form, that structure. Right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So that's why, I that's why I grabbed it. I didn't know it was Ellington. I didn't know who it was. It, I figured there aren't that many uh, groups that I've ever seen like named after a thing versus you know so-and-so's orchestra from the so-and-so hotel. So when I see an unusual band name like that, to me, that's kind of interesting. Oh, I freaking loved that song. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I love that era just because the, the structures and everything feel so different from dance bands uh, at the time. The more polite bands, let's just say. What made a polite band? Or what in your mind, what makes a polite band? Yeah, even they would say everything's hotsy-totsy now. Those bands generally aren't very hotsy-totsy. What does that mean? <laughs> what, what are you saying? <laughs> the, the fire, the energy, all of that. That, uh, that uh, and a slightly looser feel, I suppose. You know, I find for me, and maybe my uh, my bar is very low, but it's like if I can tap my foot to it, you know, I kind of enjoy it. You know, it's like this is the thing that I don't even want to say, but it's like I find that I gravitate to African American players in groups, generally speaking. Um, there was a rawness, there was an energy, there was. Um, you know, some kind of uh, innovation, certainly. I mean, I'm speaking so generally, but right. it's like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who listen to 78s that would totally disagree with me, could completely give dissertations on the style of Bix, uh, uh, help me out here. Biderbeck. Biderbeck, thank you. I don't really like his stuff. I've tried to like his stuff. Mm -hmm. I bought like three LPs to like his stuff and I don't. And I hate to make it about racial divide. I Well, I, for me, it's not at all. I, I think yeah. for me, it comes down to, in theory, not knowing the backgrounds of a lot of these artists, in theory, how uh, professionally schooled they were, musically trained they were. I mean, the, the, the kind of raw stuff that is hillbilly music, kind of early hillbilly music, and early country music, uh, almost 
I, I, would, I would say almost strictly white, but then there are certainly black string bands as well from that, that time period that's playing very similar music coming from the South. Yeah, I mean, plenty, yeah, plenty of white groups. I think there's lots of uh, early jazz records that are white groups, you know, even Dorsey's and Benny Goodman on very early sides that are really, they're hot, hot records. I had no idea that the ori- is it original Dixieland jazz band, mm-hmm. right, which became jazz band, I just assumed that they were African-American players, oh, no. and they are not, of course, but yet, of course, they're credited, in theory, as putting out one of the first jazz records. But there you go. So now my brain says, let's put on something country and hillbilly or something to that effect. (laughs) Sure. So I'm going to have you uh, pick out a record um, because I know exactly where those are in my collection and we'll find something and put it on. Let's do it. Last night I drove down to the tavern to get me a glass of beer. And when I sat down at the table, a man came up and said, Dear, come over and sit at the table, and I'll buy you beer by the can. I made my mistake last night when I drank seven beers with the wrong kind of man. This man was tall, dark, and handsome. You could hang out your clothes on his line. He said he'd search this world over, but he'd never seen beauty like mine. I fell for it hook, line, and sinker, and then our troubles began. Texas Jim Lewis. So the reason I picked out that record, it looked very entertaining. It was seven beers with the wrong man on one side and seven beers with the wrong woman on the other side. Yeah. And you chose seven beers with the wrong man. Man. Why the man, not the woman? Because I figured uh, Texas Jim, who was the vocalist on The Wrong Woman, was not going to be as hot as uh, some gal that he chose. I figured whatever gal singer he chose was going to be, you know, more smoking in in the rosematics kind of way. Why? Why what, What did you base that on? The era, the the Decca label, the you know the forties, the see, it could be thirties, I suppose, but it's it's got a forties kind of look to the record, and that's been your experience, like uh, that women were a little more lively, peppier, yeah, yeah. I just I don't know, I thought it'd be fun, and I I couldn't have been more wrong. I didn't yeah. I, I I didn't dig that song one one iota. I, I, I was feeling the, uh, it mentioned Benny Bell shaving cream, that repetitive tune. Our baby fell out of the window. You think that her head would be split. But good luck was with her that morning. She fell in a barrel of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. And I have to admit, you know, we're constantly distracted by our phones, and I got distracted by my brain at a crucial moment. It's like when you're watching a television show or a film, you look down for half a second to see who texted you, and you look up and, like, the person's dead. You're like, wait, what? 
what just happened? Did you happen to notice what I was doing while I was listening to that song? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was on my phone. <laughs> no, but my, my brain did that on my phone. But the song's going along and I was like, oh, this song is so much worse than I could have possibly imagined. And then I heard something crucial where she went to the penitentiary. I was like, what did I miss? I, I missed the crucial point in the song. Yeah. Did she kill the dude? Now I'm in the house of correction. His wife said I'd stolen her man. It's all on account of the drinking. Seven beers with the wrong kind I don't remember. I hate to say that. And here's the thing. Because you were looking at your phone. I was, well, I was like looking, thinking about equipment things we were talking about earlier. And so I'm starting, I'm like, oh, no, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be just sitting. I should be taking this song in, really listening. So I did. I put my phone down. I closed my eyes. I'm kind of in what I call the hot seat in my living room here because I'm right between the two speakers, a little better with stereo sound. And I think I was more lulled into a nice little nap almost. <laughs> Because I don't, you, you mentioned penitentiary. I don't remember. Like, yeah, I think that's in there. I bought this record originally because of that, uh, the two sides. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I've never, I don't know, not that it's not out there, but I haven't really seen many records where the male female perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you get kind of the two songs. I'm not, I, in fact, I tend to anything that now I've realized any 78s that I'm looking through that say waltz on them, I tend to just go right past. There's so much overlap with country music. And it's actually one of the things that, fascinates me about this whole period of country is that it is uh like western swing is probably some of my favorite mm -hmm. um but you hear so many kinds of um elements of different styles of music in it even though in country music or in western swing oh uh all of it yeah i think all of it you know i mean even the waltz is coming from traditional classical i would assume yeah just in the variations of Waltzes. Yeah, like, you think of the Strauss waltzes and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I I uh, I would agree. I was going to say we should really play the other side, but I think I don't know based on any particular rules that we have. I think that song has been played and it's done. Yes, um, I would agree. There, <laughs> put a fork in it. You also mentioned the shaving cream song, which I do love, but I loved it as a kid. And that song, of course, I heard on the Doctor Demento show originally. Were you a Doctor Demento fan? Uh, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't broadcast where really? when I was listening to radio. Yeah. Oh, so, and really as, as an adult, I, I was familiar with a number of the songs that are sort of, he's famous for, yeah. I, I can think of, uh, the Eleanor Rigby in particular. Eleanor Doodles Rigby. Weaver. Oh my gosh. Eleanor Rigby. That's a guy that kind of tootling along on a piano, just kind of spilling out nonsense rhymes to Eleanor, Eleanor Rigby. Rigby. Eats all the rice in the church for her wedding had been. No, not eats all the rice. <laughs> Eleanor Rigby picks up the dice, raises the price, uh, chops up the ice, uh, traffics in vice. Oh, no, no, no. Kills all the mice in the church. So that would be cruel. Maybe I better start again. Wow. No, I don't know that one at all. Something Eleanor to look for. Yeah, I will say this, though, that Barrett Hansen, you know that name? No. That's Dr. Demento. Oh, all right. And on the Facebook 78 Collectors group, he is a part of that group, which is such a neat thing uh, for me anyway, having listened to him growing up and probably his shows every week, although I can probably only name like five or six songs that I remember from that show. Yeah. But it's, it just tickles me whenever he like, you know, just chimes in about a record or a song. And I have at least one LP around here. I don't remember who it is. I'll have to dig it out that he did the, you know, like the back of the album liner, the liner notes, notes yeah. yeah you know and it's just like oh that's awesome and i think that's a part of his background anyway 
Well, you know, what's funny about that Benny Bell song, which has nothing to do with 78 we listen to, except in its rhythm, I suppose, is that as much as I dislike shaving cream, it was funny the first time I heard it. It's kind of like a Frank Zappa record. They're funny the first time you hear them, and I never want to hear them again. But I love klezmer records. I love klezmer music. And I was digging through my records at home the other day, and I found this record without a cover, and it had very small print on the label, almost like it was a test pressing or something. And I, it's an LP, and I, I dig in, and it's Benny Bell. It was a klezmer, a straight-up klezmer record from probably the early 50s. So he had a klezmer orchestra before he went in uh, deep into the novelty world. Wow. Should we move into the next song? Sure, let's do it. So, Mark, record number three, you dug into my stash. For full transparency, I did actually put on another record, and I stopped. Because it sucked worse than Texas Gym. No, actually, it was really good, but it was really slow. It was off that American Folkways, almost a set that you found. Ah. And after we listened to the other record, I felt like we needed something livelier, so I cheated. Anyway, (laughs) it was, wait, which? (laughs) Crime Don't Pay. (laughs) Thank you. Vocalion 03928. 
I love anything I hear by her. And I heard her originally on the Copulate and Blues set. Which song does she do? Do you remember? Uh, uh, See, that's a thing. It's like one of my favorite songs, and I can never remember the name of it, but I can tell you the lyrics are something like, when you feel my leg, when you feel my leg, don't go up high, because if you go up high, you're going to make me sigh. So don't you feel my leg? Don't you feel my leg? Maria Moldauer did it on her first record. That's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. And that CD compilation had a huge impact on me. It was like one of those CDs that I found at the record store. Did it have the rough drawing on the front of the couple getting down? Like kind of a... Yes. Yes. Uh, No. Uh, I know what you're talking about with the black cover. Yeah. There's a couple different kind of dirty blues comps. Yeah. This one on CD, the cover is a guy. It's sort of... It is a, a line drawing, but it's a guy with sort of... It's red and it's he's sort of like his mouth is agape, his tongue is hanging out kind of a thing. And I'm pretty confident it came from a Tijuana Bible because mm-hmm. on the inside there are, are pictures from Tijuana Bibles. Gotcha. A couple of little frames. And it's like 20, 22 tracks of, you know, copulating blues. And at the time, a teacher of mine told me that, oh yeah, they used to call those race records. But I'd never heard what I thought at the time was old music that sounded like that, that actually not only did double entendres, but like in some cases were very explicit, explicit and direct. And I didn't even think that existed. And great songs. Oh, well, yeah, you know, but I think that's the thing. Like even at that time I was listening to not much of that music, but only from like cassettes of chess compilations um, muddy waters, you know, like stuff yeah. like that. It was very, very general. I think how all of us get started, someone puts a record in our hand or says, oh, you should hear this artist. And that's all you really know at the time. And then I found this set and it was so intriguing. And then I just kind of left it. You know, I didn't listen to anything else. I didn't go after those artists. I think there are many collectors who went, oh yeah, now I'm going to go find every record or every song by this artist. Mm-hmm. To me, it was just this anomaly and I went on my merry way until I started collecting 78s. And now we're back to today. And I see you have a yes, yes girl in your pile. And I, of course, put away the one I had picked out and went immediately to this because I knew I would love it no matter what she plays. And she has a lot of records, I guess. Everything about that song was perfection. Like it, it was that I, I, I doubt she's playing the piano. She might be playing the piano. It would kind of make sense that she's playing the piano away because she's so tight with the music. And I think whenever you get singers, I think more in the in terms of the 50s and 60s jazz trio kind of thing, like when Nina Simone sings and plays the piano at the same time, those albums are more killer. Those tracks are more killer than the one where she's plopped in front of an orchestra. The same thing with like a Shirley Horn or Blossom Deary, people like that, that mm-hmm. when they're behind the piano, they're, they're really physically part of the music. And that's kind of the way it sounded to me. Have no idea if she's actually playing the piano on that track or not. I know that her stuff has been reissued on Document mm-hmm. Records, they're, and they're a fascinating label, too. So, I, yeah, I would love to know who that band was. So the other thing that I didn't notice until we just took the record off was who wrote the track. It says Willie Broomsey. I'm guessing that's Big Bill. There you go. Oh, Willie. To yeah. his friends. <laughs> Do you like him, or it's just he's uh, well-known and that's what stuck out for you? Uh, just that, yeah. Obviously, yeah. super well-known. Do you listen to this kind of stuff? Like, is it something you gravitate to? or? Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I gravitate to all kinds of things, but... This this was the rough around the edges thing that I was talking about earlier, that this kind of loose approach that 
is is more like you're driving down the highway in a convertible, you know, in a convertible Model T <laughs> with no seatbelts, you know. I'm imagining your vision and that music's coming out of the radio. The experience. That's what the experience feels like to me. Yeah. Is Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I imagine like this is how you'd be listening to the music, but no, it's just the... That visceral kind of feeling of oh, interesting. the yeah. danger. Standing up in the car. There. there you go. How about that? Standing up in the Model <laughs> T, 100 miles an hour. So it's just, yeah, it's just the emotional feeling you'd have just being in that... Exactly. That Model T with that... Yeah, interesting. Oh, I love that. That's really awesome. There's nothing like a Model T. Yes, and one and you agree. Thanks for coming over and listening to records with me. That was fun. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. I hope it's the beginning of a... Wait, how does it line? A long listening experience? That sounds dreadful. This is the beginning. <laughs> a long, torturous listening experience. Absolutely. Like a model T for the average family. But yeah, thank you for coming over and listening to music. And we'll either continue doing it here in my living room or maybe in your humble abode. You'd be welcome anytime. Thank you very much. On the hill, oh, what a thrill. Hey, Cooper, here comes Harold Lloyd. In your future way to see, you will find a model T. And put in your order, they're easy to get, they're swell, and they all sell practically free. They're nothing like a model Thanks for listening to Stories from the Stylus. I'm Tim Peterson. And I'm Mark Harley Wilson. Our show is edited by the magnificent Mr. Mark Harley Wilson. And produced by the magnificent Tim Peterson and myself. We want to give a special thanks to our friends, family, and you, the listeners, for tuning in, and also to Steve Rashid for some technical assistance. And if you'd like to hear more of our episodes, follow up with us, leave us a comment. Please follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or find us on our website, storiesfromthestylist.com. Enjoy what you've heard on this episode. We encourage you to go out and dig for the tunes yourself. A lot of our records were from very small shops as well as independent record stores. Show them your love and your support. Take some chances and it will pay off. Wait for the happy ending. You'll find your troubles mending. No matter how dark everything Next time on Stories from the Stylus. I'll uh, wrap up with with this story. I remember very clearly having a huge temper tantrum as a kid and completely destroying all of my parents' records. Whoa! All of their LPs. Next time on Stories from the Stylus. Next time on Stories from the Stylus. Next time on Stories from the Stylus.